Hello, and welcome to SG Squared. Steve Bladen, Global Small Groups Pastor at Saddleback Church, pulls from his 20-plus years of small group ministry experience to encourage and equip listeners to lead more effective small group ministry. Sit back, learn, and enjoy SG Squared with Steve Gladen. Welcome to SG Squared, Steve Gladen on Small Groups. Thank you so much for tuning in. Derek here along with your other host, Saddleback Church's Connections Pastor, Steve Gladen. Steve, how are you? Hey, doing good. It's uh, finally warming up in Southern California. We've had the worst cold spell I can remember in decades. So it's uh, those that were at the lobby were just like going, oh, it's freezing here. And so it, it, you feel summer coming. You feel summertime coming, finally. Hold on now. When you say cold spell, what kind of temperatures are we talking here? Okay, that is fair. That is very fair. I mean, low 60s. <laughs> <laughs> you make me sick. Low 60s, and we were suffering with our cold spell. I know. And it was, it was rainy, too. <laughs> we apologize to all of you out there in Wyoming, Nebraska, <laughs> Minnesota. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. It's finally warming up to your comfortable high 70s, low 80s. That's awesome. Hey, we've, we've, we've gone a while without mentioning your favorite college football team, Ohio State. I'll keep this real quick, very quick. But I noticed... In the annual recruiting rankings, you know, because every college team, if you don't know, recruits out of high school and they keep rankings of who's got the best recruits coming in. And in the mighty Ohio State, they're, they're, they're not on the top. They're below one other team that's got maize and, and yellow colors, uh, the Michigan Wolverines. What's going on? Well, for the Wolverine fans, it's amazing blue. So amazing yellow, kind <laughs> of like yellow, and yellow. But I love that you said it. Uh, you know, uh, we've talked a lot on the show because recruiting is so important in, in small groups world. Number one. So I mean, I follow recruiting a lot. Derek is right. Our team is falling a slip, a little bit behind, but we're early in the twenty-four class. Uh, but I, I hate you for bringing it up because we we text back and forth way too much in the off season. Uh, we way too much during the season, but uh, yeah, it's uh, we'll we'll see how the twenty four class ends up. I mean, uh, but it's you, you got to have good recruits, you got to have a good pipeline. So for all you uh, small group point people listening to this podcast, whether you like college football or not, you should look into uh, college athletics and how they recruit because you should be doing the exact same thing uh, with them. And I hate that Derek loves to be a burr in my saddle. Uh, yeah, because it it's, it's, it's one thing for Ohio State to not be the number one uh, spot uh, of, in the recruiting cycle. It's another thing to have Michigan above them. So I guess the moral of the story, story is, to everybody listening, uh, recruit those small group uh, leaders and uh, don't let the other churches steal them. Right, Steve? <laughs> Oh, yeah, or the other teams. But we, we love all the other churches, but it's the people that we don't like. So we'll, we'll play nice. We'll play nice in this field. Well, Mother's Day is coming up here soon. Um, any thoughts for us? This isn't necessarily dialed in part of our show here, but any thoughts for us on Mother's Day? What are you personally doing, Steve? And what any any small group thoughts on Mother's Day and what groups can do? Yeah, um, yeah, great, great question. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, you know, Azariah, I'm sure, is getting towards that age where she'll handle her own Mother's Day. Uh, I, I did already, you know, warn my kids, you know, 22 and 25 that, you know, Mother's Day is coming up. But we're going to be together as a family. We'll be in Nashville 
it's exciting. We're going to be out in Opry land. We'll be uh, taking about a week off uh, from the Saddleback wheel and heading out to uh, Nashville. So it'll be exciting to be out there and bump into a lot of my good fr Nashville friends that are out there, I'm sure. But we'll celebrate Mother's Day there. It'll be fun and uh, see what, what God's doing. And, you know, are you? What do you guys are you coaching Azariah on how to have a good Mother's Day? You know, um, uh, yes. Uh, we She loves to make her mom um, all kinds of fun crafts. And she's, and she's she, a cook, too. She's now she's getting little... into baking, yeah. So she'll probably bake yeah. something fun for mom. And so we'll have fun well, with me, that. Yeah, so with, with though, on the group side of it, too, it's, it's important that we capitalize uh, in our group's calendar on all these events. I mean... You've got, you've got, if you've got mom's groups, if you've got great things that are coming out of Mother's Day, it's one of the highest church attendance days because moms pull the card to get all their families to, to be with them. So if you're not seizing pitcher opportunities at, uh, at your churches or your campuses, that, that is a, a, a silly miss just to uh, not capitalize on that. But also in the group's world, it is a great time to um, make sure that, you, you know, if you have mom's groups or opportunities for making sure those gender-based groups are, are, are platformed because moms, they, they bring husbands and they bring uh, the family unit. So it's a great opportunity. So you don't want to miss those high levels in the church. It really, behind Easter, Christmas, uh, you know, some other big times, Mother's Day is a, is a big time when the house is full and you should take advantage of that in your small group calendar. So a little, a little bonus to a show that's not even meant to talk about recruiting or calendar. That's a great point. And we, we see that so much in church that moms bring husbands often they'll pull the family along. So reach those moms, honor them and get the family. I, I, I would bet that even Derek will be at church on Mother's Day. Yes, I will be. Well, that's cool that you're having Mother's Day in Nashville. You said at Opryland. Are you going to the Opryland Hotel? Because I love that place. Yeah, it's, uh, it is just a monstrosity for those of you that aren't familiar with the central part of Tennessee and what Opryland is. Uh, we uh, During Christmas, we were, we went up there and saw uh, an ice sculpture show that they had. It's called Nine Degrees. And so it was amazing uh, what they did with ice sculptures. But the, the footprint of that place is insane. So it'll be fun to be there and hang out and just have fun time as a family. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Tennessee's version of Disneyland almost. So have a great time, man. Well, in this show... We're going to get into this topic of should groups gather during the summer? And yeah. we want to kind of get ahead of this common question that always comes up in the small group world around this time, especially right in spring yeah. when when summer's right around the corner. And, and so there's all kinds of questions, Steve, I can throw at you on this topic. Maybe we'll start with, does the Bible kind of shed any light on this uh, question, answer or answer this question? Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a great uh, no, it's a great question. I think I would if I were to if I were to answer that question, I would kind of backtrack a little bit in understanding how the Bible's written. And uh, you've heard me say it many times: the Bible's written on a family system. Uh, it's not written on a governmental system. 
we don't try to structure like the government. Um, churches do that a lot, and they're about as effective as the government, no matter what political belief system you have. We don't structure uh, as a military system. We're not trying to con conquest anything. Um, and in regards to this question, we don't structure it as a school system, too, because we're uh, we're, we're beyond a school system. The Bible was written on a family system. It didn't have any uh, cultural breaks, which we will we'll address here, uh, hopefully, in the show. But the Bible was written on a family system, which is why most of the motifs through the New Testament are all parent-child. That's why one of the highest qualifications for a pastor in Timothy is to, can you take care of your family? And when you understand, especially in small groups world, because we talk about conflict resolution all the time on this show. And when you understand that when the Bible, when you understand the family system that the Bible is written on, and if you've had psychology 101, you understand about family dynamics and family systems in your own personal family. But in this case, you know, the, the how the church is structured, you really understand that you could answer so many problems in your small group by simply saying, how would I handle this in my family? But when you understand the backdrop that the church is built on a family system, and then when you understand too that when Jesus left this planet, he gave us two things to navigate a super broken world. And I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, and Derek, you and I have seen it a million times, that the family unit is shattered and the family unit is under attack. When you talk about gender identity, uh, when you talk about uh, systems working against uh, the family uh, unit, uh, how God designed uh, us to, to live in harmony, um, you'll start to understand that through, all, through those things that when the family unit is uh, under attack and when it's being worked against, there, there's a lot for us to do in the church to, to help repair this. So part of it is you understand that the Bible is written on a family system. The other half of it, too, is that you, you just need to, in your small group ministry, especially when you understand that Jesus knew the world was going to be a messed up place. And so what he did is he gave us the Holy Spirit in John 14 to help navigate this broken planet. And then he also worked with us and he gave us the church in Acts 2. And one of the things that's, that's interesting, you know, as you talk about this, Derek, is in Acts 2, when you look at temple courts and house to house, temple courts is the first part of Acts 2, house to house is the back half of Acts 2 and the normative, normative piece of, you know, how the church operated temple courts and house to house. When you look at temple courts, the culture was pretty systematic. And the, the culture was very much, it was a weekly process that happened where you gathered together. And the Bible talks a lot about gathering. And it was, so it, there was a rhythm to it, I should say. And it was a weekly rhythm. What's fascinating, though, as you're asking this question, does the Bible shed light on this particular topic? Do groups need to meet in the summer? Or should they meet in the summer? Is that in Acts 2, 42 through 47, there's no mention of frequency. There's no mention of, you know, that groups should meet weekly or groups should meet every other week. And that's another common question that comes up, you know, do groups meet weekly or every other week? But what it focuses on, and this is where I think we should, we should start with this topic, should groups meet during the summertime, is understanding the Bible with groups and disciple making is more about 
the results than the frequency. And we, we always say it, you know, um, uh, yeah, attendance doesn't get you spiritual health, but spiritual health will always get you attendance, which is another common question. Do you take attendance in your small group and stuff like that? But again, you, you have to look at what are you trying to measure and what is health? So I think if I'm answering this in the long version that I just did, <laughs> is that, you know, uh, the Bible sheds a lot that what's important is what is produced. And Acts 2, 42 through 47 gives you a great list of what a small group should do. How you get that done, I, th I think I would leave that a little bit to the culture and to where you're at. So again, when it comes to this question of should groups gather during the summer, Steve, when we begin to, when we begin to break this down, who do you think is actually asking this question? Yeah, that, that's fascinating because um, I, I'm not so sure if the group leader is asking the question. I think the group leader is looking to the leadership of the church to say, what are you coaching me in? What are you telling me to do? And what I do know is that nothing, people generally don't rise above the expectation that is given by the church. So if you go in and say, you don't have to meet during the summer, I'll tell you right now, there won't be one group that'll meet during the summer because, or very few, because leadership has said, here's the standard. And so I think where this is, question comes up more from is leadership in the church trying to figure out how do we handle cultural pieces that happen in our church? Because, um, you know, there's, there's many things that, um, or I don't, I don't know if I'm trying to think what I would say, is if I were to kind of just bleed into why does this come up? And I know you asked who, who asked the question, which is I would say it's ten, it tends to be the small group point persons asking the question, trying to figure it out, or the church is trying to ask the question. That's why we tend to lean towards semesters because we're in a school culture. But I, I think where it comes up from is, you know, the leadership doesn't have a definitive answer of what groups are trying to produce and how they should produce it. But also it's just that it comes up because there, there tends to be a breakdown in our strategy in small group ministry. Um, I've, I've heard excuses like, hey, everyone's on vacation. Uh, and I get that. I'll, I'll take a vacation too, but I don't get three months of vacation. Uh, there's not too many people that take over two weeks of vacation at one particular time, unless you're, you know, financially running your, your place and all that. So it's, I think some of the logical breakdowns that when your kids are out of school, um, you know, that everyone's gone or things like that. I, I think we use that as an excuse in leadership because we're not willing to give them the tools to be able to figure out how can we make this work inside the culture uh, that we live in? Great uh, feedback there. I always liked the idea of in the summer giving, you know, your small group leader is just, it's not, this isn't the best phrase, but an, a long leash, right? An extra freedom. And like you said, just yeah. give them some parameters and, and just, I think like you're saying, if, if the leader speaks it, Hey, we can do groups this summer, have fun, be creative, whether it's interest-based or whatever. Like you said, there'll be people that'll run with that vision and meet. And that's, yeah. that's, there's nothing, 
that's a good thing that people are gathering, right? Yeah, I, I think the, the main thing is is we, we, we don't help them understand what we're trying to get them to do. I mean, I think if we focus more on disciple-making and give them the end in mind and then give them the tools to figure it out. Because I think what we try to do is we try to answer the question that they're not answering. I mean, that they're not asking. So, you know, we're, we're thinking, okay, hey, their kids are off during the summer. They need to be off during the summer. We, we think that they don't want to meet because it's a program of the church first. You know, when you have different strategies in place, I mean, I think back through um, when you align your groups off organic friendships, uh, our, our group meets met constantly throughout the year because we were friends. And so it wasn't a program of the church. It was part of our lifestyle of who we like to hang with. And in, when I think of the types of groups that you, you almost, you hurt them is young families, we got better traction in the summer in our small group when the kids were younger than we did in the fall. Because in the summer, sports weren't happening. And in the summer, kids didn't have homework. So every day was a Friday. And so our kids wanted to get together more and we wanted to get together more. Where the flip side of that is during fall, sports would fire up, school would fire up, homework would fire up, and it was harder for us to get together as as friends. So I think we mistake that um, that women's groups get great traction during the summer, men's groups get great traction, young families get great traction during the um, summer. Obviously, if your groups are based on friendship uh, of who they are, you know, out of an organic friendship, you're going to have traction all the time. So it is one of those things where I would encourage us as we're trying to answer this question is, I love where you went. Who's asking the question first off, but then I would want to flip and say, are we leading? Are we leading as a church? Summer is an issue, no doubt. Holidays are an issue, no doubt. But how are we leading during those, those critical times? Because if we're about disciple making and making disciples, I don't know how you take a break from that. Uh, I mean, I think of my marriage. I don't take the summers off in my marriage. I don't take the summers off from parenting. I don't take the summers off when there's things that are dear to me. And so I think the question goes to, uh, you know, how do we as a church lead in that moment to, I loved your, your line, to give them a leash that can say, go where you want to go. But, but give them tools to figure out what do you do during summer? How do you address it? What are things you can do during summer that maybe during other times of the calendar year you can't do? Maybe because of weather or, or other things like that. Um, anything else you want to address, Steve, regarding why this question comes up? I know you kind of hit on some of them there a little bit ago, but... Again, this question of should groups gather during the summer? Anything else on why this question comes up? No, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's just, um, I think it comes up because we don't address it. And so we, we need to be, leaders need to lead and the church needs to lead. And what I would encourage us to do is lead with the end in mind, not lead by the calendar. Well said. So when we're thinking of summer, we're thinking of, warm temperatures and school being out and barbecues and uh, all the things. Um, who would want to meet in the summer? 
in small groups? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, obviously as we, as we talked through it before, you know, there were, um, it, you know, our groups are based on friendship. So, I mean, obviously they're my friends, so I, I like to hang together. I think what I was talking about a little bit too, is that a lot of your genders would like to meet, like our men's groups will continue to meet our women's groups. Um, uh, will will take a little shift in how they meet. And, um, and I would say this too, if, if you're a church that works on, um, terms or semesters or stuff, keeping those people together, the same people helps discipleship happen. And again, I just go back to the, the commonalities of the groupings of people, young families and things like that. There's all kinds of people that, that, their natural rhythms, summer works great for them. And so don't stop them from taking advantage of working on discipleship, which just keeps coming back to that. If you raise the bar of what you want in discipleship, like for us, we're always running it across the grid of, you know, do you have authentic fellowship with people? Do you know your spiritual next step in discipleship? Do you know your spiritual gift and are you serving in the church? Do you have one life that you're impacting with your one life that you're trying to live in the area of evangelism? And are you making that vertical connection to God? When you, when you lay that template down, then it helps them decide how are we going to achieve that? So for some groupings of people, like we just said, men's, women's, friend-based groups, uh, you're saying some interest-based groups, uh, young families, they, they get greater traction during this time. And so don't, when you say, no, we're not meeting, you've already killed an opportunity for them to make discipleship or disciple making, uh, happen inside your, your small group system. I love that point you make of keeping the end in mind and why meet in the summer? Like you said, disciple making, um, so when we're talking about meeting or in the summer or groups gathering in the summer, any tips or what I would call pro tips from the small group veteran, Steve Glade, whose very initials stand for small groups, who's been at Saddleback for what, over 25 years now. What are your pro tips, Steve, for uh, making small groups happen in the summer? No, I mean, I, I think, I think that's uh, you bring up a very good question. Uh, I'll give a quick cut at it. I think one of the things I would say is throughout the year, you want to keep your groups focused on that end in mind. And they're all about disciple making. Now, in our newsletter that we send out to our groups monthly, um, we always give them a tip in in each one of the five verbs of the Great Commission, because that's our framework. and for those of you who may be listening for the first time, our framework, when Derek and I talk about the end in mind, is we take the verbs that Jesus prayed in John 17, we take the verbs that are repeated in the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, and we take those same verbs that are, um, you know, kind of grouped in Acts uh, 2, 42 through 47. And we, we bring these words of fellowship, discipleship, serving, evangelism and worship. These are the things that we would say would make a whole, a well-rounded disciple. And the reason why we use the term disciple making is because one of our purposes is discipleship. So it's a little confusing to some people, but that's why we go with disciple making as the whole process. Because if you just know cognitive knowledge, 
and you're not expressing it and doing what Jesus wants us to do, you're not really making a disciple. You're making a scholar. And so uh, with that, where I would in, uh, what we do and what I would encourage you to do is whatever your paradigm is of what you're trying to produce in a disciple, I would give them tools in that. So, so to answer your question for us is we'd say during the summer, hey, take some opportunities to make memories a little bit deeper with your small group so that you can have authentic fellowship happen. And that can be anything from, hey, could your group maybe go camping together or go go on vacation together? Uh, our small group went on vacation together a couple times and, uh, you know, it was the best of times and sometimes it was the worst of times, depending <laughs> on how the kids were doing. But, you know, but you made memories and you and you, you had a deeper appreciation of each other and, and who, who they were. Um you can think through what are some of the fellowship nuggets that they could do in summer that they may not be able to do so that they still have that contact. And the great thing is, is that in group life, if you just do a small group study and pray and, you know, it's just two hours every one particular night of the week or morning of the week or something like that, if you just do that over and over again, it's going to get stale. And that's why in, in group life, you want to shake things up. And so maybe don't meet and you go on vacation. Uh, maybe you don't meet and you just go to the movies together. Maybe you don't meet and you have a girl's night out or a guy's night out. So, so there's some fellowship that can get deeper than just having a snack together. Um, uh, thinking off the top of my head in the area of like discipleship, there might be a short-term study that you want to do in the summer. Um, you know, something that's very bite-sized, that may be three weeks long, so you can maximize when people get together. Maybe there's a felt need. Maybe you can work on parenting. Maybe you can work on uh, some curriculum that is under gender identity, depending on where your family is at and how old your kids are at. There's a lot of different things you can do. Uh, a lot of times we will give our small groups uh, a, a um, uh, kind of almost a talk that was given at a at a school or a lecture that deals with some pithy topics and we give them the questions afterward so that could be in the area of discipleship in serving oh my goodness you know in spring and summer this is a great opportunity for your small group to serve the church and figure out how you can you can do that and it's a great way to involve the kids hopefully your church has serving opportunities that are family friendly and that are adult friendly that you can, you know, figure out which one you might want to do in your small group. So again, summer is a great time when, you know, it, it, the, the schedule isn't as compressed uh, a lot of times in the work schedule, but you can do some stuff like that. Uh, evangelism would be another thing. Your group doing some great socials and inviting people who don't know Jesus. Anytime your group can do an activity together. Summertime is a lot of time when, uh, hit movies come out in the United States. And that's a great opportunity for your small group to invite other people that don't know Jesus so they can see normal Christians having fun, you know, watching a movie. I don't know if you'd go see John Wick 4, um, but, you know, there might be, you know, something else that's a little bit more appropriate, like uh, the Mario, Mario movie. Or yeah. So, I mean, there's there's things you can think of in the area of evangelism, um, in area of worship, this would be a great time. Your group could gather just to do communion. Uh, I know one of the ideas we're, we're teeing up for next month is for our small groups to do communion. 
and just take a night and that's all you do is you just do do communion but there's other spiritual disciplines that you can do during the summer so i mean as you're heading in to this this question that that you may be asking and maybe it is your group leaders asking here's an opportunity for you to lead not with yes or no but lead with hey we want you to make disciples and we're going to give you ideas based on how we define a disciple and you tell us what's the best thing you can do how can you keep that ball moving down the court so i mean think of those ideas if you don't have any ideas i wrote uh, I wrote a book called uh, 250 Big Ideas, which can give you 50 ideas on each one of these purposes. If you have leading small groups with purpose, uh, I put another 200 ideas in there on each one of the five verbs that we do. Uh, you can, you know, kind of mix and match it and do whatever you want to do with it. Um, the small group network uh, is just coming out with an ideas book. Uh, that will, you know, again, bring some other ideas uh, to your group. The point is, there's a lot of great opportunities for you to make your group not stale and not answering, asking the question, do we, do we continue on with our study or do we take a break? Because the study is not the issue. Disciple making is the issue. And so I'd, I'd rather you answer the question, how are we making disciples versus do we meet or not meet during Christmas? Do we meet or not meet during summer? Do we meet or not meet during you know you know a three-day weekend or whatever it is because you know what's interesting with the senior pastors derek what's that they never ask the question do we shut down the church on the weekend oh that's a they good don't one go, you know what let's not do church for the summer because we don't care about that you know i think most churches they continue to meet temple courts so house to house can just tackle it a little bit different so Again, it's, uh, I think there's a lot of freedom. I think there's a lot of possibilities. I think sometimes we answer the wrong question, in all honesty. Because the question is not, should your groups meet during the summer? The question is, how will you make disciples in a different season of the culture of where you live? So good. I'm still thinking about that last uh, question you threw at me. Do do the pastors say we shouldn't have weekend gatherings on <laughs> summer? Wow, that's that says it all right there. You nailed it. Hey, here's here's another question I'll throw back at you. Mm -hmm. Did Jesus take the summers off with Peter, James, and John and the twelve? Yeah, I mean it's there's a, there's a lot of analogies you can use in disciple making and and and. and and in fairness to the people that are listening, I get culture. I get culture and how it is. But part of it, too, is our job is to make disciples, not acquiesce to what culture is. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for us as a church to lead in a moment and uh, take a little page out, out of the playbook of what Jesus wanted to do. And that was hang with them. Amen. I also like that one line you said in our last piece here about you know, just making deeper memories with your group during the summer. I like the way you said that. I think that if a lot of small group leaders approached it from that standpoint, people, who doesn't want to gather to make better memories? I mean, that's just great. Well, I think we nailed it, Steve. Any final parting words before we call it? You know, I'll just, uh, in our own small group, we, we get into some different rhythms uh, throughout the whole calendar year that are things we look forward to. 
And especially I know during summer, there are some times we host a 4th of July party uh, for our small group and anyone that wants to come. Uh, we have a sailing day that we do every summer. Uh, we have, uh, you know, other uh, eating events that we, we would love to do uh, through the summer at some different events that the church has. So there's there's great opportunities for you to build a, a, uh, a small group calendar for your small group let alone what the, what the church is doing. So there's a lot of great possibilities. I just don't want people to think it's a yes or no answer on this question. It's more of a, how are we going to make disciples piece that will take us further down the road with that? And, and plus, there's a lot of great opportunities for you to make your group really exciting. There's so many components in small group ministry that are spices and things like that, that just change it up. And and I think my last thing I'll say that has nothing to do with summertime, but you as a small group leader, if you're listening or if you're a point leader, help your group leaders always think through, is there a small thing that can get changed up between gatherings or a big thing that could get changed up so that it doesn't become stale? And we can learn that from our family system at our house. If it's consistent, the same all the time, it's no fun. It's going to get stale. So spice it up a little bit. Summer is a great time to take it to that next level. Well said. Well, this has been a great uh, episode with you, Steve, and everybody listening or watching. Thank you for spending uh, part of your day with us. It means a lot. We hope this uh, episode has always encouraged you and equips you to better lead your small group ministry, especially this summer, uh, to make disciples. So until next time, goodbye. See you later, everybody. Thank you for listening to Steve Gladen on Small Groups. If you like what you've heard, make sure you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you want to learn more, make sure you check out smallgroupnetwork.com for more resources.